Well, I suppose I'll begin by asking you guys the same question. What do you want? Yeah? What do you want? What's, what's, something, what's something you could, somebody could give you and you would just hold in your hands and smile? Or what's something you know that you, you could go out and get it this afternoon? And once you have it, you just get all gooey inside. And what, what is that? What, what is it that you want? I know, what, I, know some of your, I know some of yours. I know Zach has a candle dealer at Soda City. And when he gets his fix, he is intensely satisfied, aren't you, Zach? And I know, um, I know, I know Kelly... Parton and, and Neely Spate are easy to please. They just want warm weather, and they've got it coming, so they've got a lot to look forward to. We're going to about to have a lot of that. Foster, Foster likes those beaver nuggets you can get at Bucky's. <laughs> Danny Laura. You know, Joshua Gilo, he's not here this morning, but, you know, I was at, at their house with them for community group last week. He's got plenty of guitars, but I guarantee you there's one he wouldn't mind getting his hands on. So what is it for you? You know, what makes you think, ah, yeah, that's the stuff. You know, a new book, new pair of shoes, huh? You know, a new dress, a new hat, a new pair of jeans that just make you feel better when you put them on. What do you want? We're wired for desire. That's the way that we're made. And these little simple pleasures make us feel something. It's satisfaction. Just satisfaction. It's joy in receiving. And there's only that joy there when there's desire. So what do you want? Let's take a look now, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, and see what Jesus is, has us to learn here. Now hear the word of the one true and living God. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The main idea this morning is when you want what you need, you'll ask and receive. That simple. And there's only one point. We have to know that we need, what we need, want what we need, and ask for it. The receiving part is easy. It's all that other stuff that needs our attention. When we know that we need, identify what it is that we need, and want those things and ask for them, God just hands them over. We don't have to put any energy into the receiving. Just the needing part. So how far do we take this, though? Right? Because I don't know about you, but I've come to this passage before and been like, yeah, but... (laughs) 
I, I confess, I've failed to believe this. I've doubted Jesus' teaching here before because I've asked and not received. I've looked and couldn't find. I've knocked and gotten no answer. Haven't you? So either Jesus is pulling our leg here and was just exaggerating when he said this, or, or I need to learn how to more carefully qualify what is good. What are these good things Jesus speaks of? That's what we want to know. Because Jesus says if we ask for them, we'll have them. And y'all, I want you to be encouraged this morning and know this for sure. As sure as you are that you're sitting in that pew right now, when you want what God wants for you and you ask him for it, he will give it to you in greater measure than you could ever imagine. So what's he want us to have? What's he want us to want? What's he want us to want so badly that we'll ask for it like a child and knock his door down until he answers? If we took the pages out of your Bible that we've been through so far in the Sermon on the Mount, and we laid them all out on the table right here, and we just highlighted sort of the, the key words that clue us into what Jesus wants for his disciples, what he wants us to want, what would jump out at us? If we made a list, what would be on the list? Well, if we made two lists, two columns, right? One column of things we want for ourselves and one column of things that he wants for us. Which one would fill up first? Which list would be longer if we examined the pages that we've been through? If we knew how much we needed all the stuff he's been talking about so far and been teaching his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, things like integrity, righteousness, purity, trust, generosity, dependence, belief, humility, and wisdom. If we knew how much we needed all of those things, we would ask for it and it would be given to us. If we're not receiving those things in greater measure, it's because we're not asking. And it's either because we don't think we need them, or maybe we think God isn't where we get them. I doubt any of us is convinced of that. Or we don't think God will give them if we did ask him. Ultimately, though, we don't ask for those good things because we don't want them. And we don't want them because we, we don't realize how much we need them. There are a lot of things we want that we ask God for. We're comfortable in the asking, you know? And, and Christians, unfortunately, come to, this, to these verses and, and have been filled with great hopes of guarantees, but then been crushed, just plunged into depression and despair because they look on these verses and they believe that God is not fulfilling his promise. They come to these verses and walk away believing it means God will give me anything I want as long as I ask. I know, that's, I know that's probably not you this morning, but tell me you haven't asked God for something that you sincerely believed was according to his will that was good for you or good for someone else and, that you have, and then you did not receive what you asked of your father. I mean, that's true of all of us, right? We've all been there. But is there anyone in this room who has been a Christian for any length of time who wouldn't tell you 
countless stories of times when how thankful they've been that God did not give them what they asked for. Because from where they sit now, they see that that is not what would have been best for them. How many of you can think of at least one door you knocked on that never opened and you're happy it remained closed? Thank God then, this is not a universal promise, right? Thank God that he has a much better way of working in our lives than we often know to ask him to. He has a better way. Thank God what Jesus doesn't mean here is that God will give us whatever our hearts desire. But that he will give us what our hearts should desire when we begin to desire them and ask. And at this point in the Sermon on the Mount, our hearts should begin to desire things like I mentioned before. I'll mention them again. Integrity. Righteousness, purity, trust, generosity, dependence, belief, humility, and wisdom. And we should by now be convinced and convicted we don't have them. <laughs> we, we've, we've learned God expects his people to have them. It's what he wants them to be like. We've heard of his terrible judgment for those who don't. We know we don't have them, and now we ask, what am I supposed to do? Feeling a little naked and out in the woods here. I don't have what I evidently need, and so what do I do? Where do I find them? How do I get them? And Jesus answers, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. You know, you've not been saved by the blood of Christ and then left to fend for yourself. Isn't that good news? Isn't that a relief? The Holy Spirit has come upon you. He resides with you. The presence of God dwells within you. Jesus promised he would, didn't he? That's how you begin to meet the requirements of God. And yes, as we've talked about, God has requirements of you, right? His love for you is not based on your performance. Don't we say that a lot? You said it in your prayer, Joseph. Foster, don't we say that? His love for you is not based on your performance. But your love for him is. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 4, 15. And on the heels of that statement, and after we feel the weight of that daunting task, and seeing a bar we know is way too high for us to reach, he says in the very next verse, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you. By this time in the Sermon on the Mount, we have to realize if we're going to live up to Jesus' teaching... We need help. And here's the good news. He says there is help because there's a helper. Just ask and you will receive. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. He says it's, it's really as easy as that. It's not your father's will that you do without what you need in order to become more like the son. It's not your father in heaven's will to do without the things that he expects you 
to be and do all these things that Jesus has been talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. And how do we know? Well, it says there, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I want want you to look at a parallel verse with me, okay? In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, I'll give you just a quick second to turn there. In Luke's account of the same teaching, chapter 11, verse 13, he says those same things. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you don't leave here with anything else this morning, leave here with this. There's help because there's a helper. The source of these good things is the Holy Spirit who lives and works in your life for your good, for God's glory, and for the good of his kingdom. Jesus is treating the disease of unbelief in his disciples, remember, in this Sermon on the Mount. He's pointing out their unworthiness and that despite their status as children of God, they still have small faith. And the prescription that he writes is not try harder, do better. It's ask the Holy Spirit and he will make you better. We ask for God for a lot of things when we pray. Do we ask for that? We don't ask for things we don't think we need. I think I said that several weeks ago. We don't ask for things we don't think we need, do we? Do you think you need it? Do you think you need what Jesus says you do in the Sermon on the Mount? Integrity, righteousness, purity, trust, generosity, dependence, belief, humility, and wisdom. And do you know you don't have it and you need help to get it? Then ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Jesus reiterates, whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, it will be opened. Whoever does not, does not. Did you catch that? That's implied too, isn't it? Whoever does not ask, does not receive. Whoever doesn't seek, doesn't find. Whoever doesn't knock, it's not opened. You know, some of you are in a season of life right now full of uncertainty and difficulty you're asking for God's help. What kind of help are you asking for? Are you simply asking God to deliver you from the circumstances, to remove the pain? Or are you asking him, in spite of all your circumstances and pain, to be more like Jesus who endured all you're going through, who, who knows what it's like to live in this fallen world of confusion and pain and disappointment, who became like you so that you could become like him. Just stop there for a minute. Don't forget this, y'all, okay? A little side note here. Don't forget this. Your God is not like other gods that pokes at creation with a stick to see what it does. He made it all with the word of his power and sustains it all. Your God, your God made it with the word of his power and he, he entered into it by his redeeming grace. 
your God clothed himself with man so that he could clothe you with himself. That's your God. It's right and good for us to ask for healing, to ask to be delivered from difficult circumstances. There's nothing wrong with that. He hears those prayers. But his will being done on earth as it is in heaven and his kingdom coming, which drives out darkness, begins with you being more like him. How, how bad do we want that? How bad do we want it? Because we know help exists if we want it. How bad do we want that? Before we ask for it, we have to know that we need it. We have to want it. And you know, I realize we've talked a lot about a lot of hard stuff in recent weeks, haven't we? You know why that is? Because the Sermon on the Mount is not light and fluffy. It's, it's just not. It's not light and fluffy. And so if I presented it to you as casual and light and fluffy... I, I wouldn't be being faithful to the text, and I would be doing you a disservice. You know, we we got to let God's word speak, don't we? You know, we don't dull the sharp, pointy parts. We don't censor the scandalous parts, and we don't just talk about the things we like best about it. So this is tough, and it's convicting stuff as we've gone through this here. The Sermon on the Mount is not, though, just because it's been tough sledding and there's, it, we're taking some punches. That does not mean that the Sermon on the Mount is a Christless, graceless, law-only sermon. It's not. But it doesn't allow us to just admire Christ up on a shelf somewhere and say, oh, isn't he wonderful? What it forces us to do is examine ourselves. And once we've done that, we don't like what we see. We see ugly. We see lack, deficiency, and that's good because then when we look back at Christ, we don't just see someone to admire, do we? We see someone holy and blameless who took our punishment for us. We, we see the grace of God sent him to the cross in order to redeem us and to redeem us in order for us to become like him. I'll say this. Beware of a gospel that's for victims and not sinners. I'm going to say that again, and you can write it down, text it to yourself. You're going to need to remember it when you leave here. You're going to need to remember it over the next several years. You're going to need to remember it until Christ returns. Beware of a gospel that is for victims and not for sinners. Because that's the kind of false gospel that's being preached everywhere where Jesus' name seems popular today. Instead of a gospel for sinners, it's a gospel for victims. Beware of that gospel. You ask people what they're saved from today, and a lot of times people say, uh, I, was, I was saved out of addiction, I was saved out of loneliness, I was saved out of uh, a toxic relationship. And they go on and list a host of other oppressors. That's what I was saved from. You were saved from the wrath of God due for your sin. All that other stuff is not unimportant. It's not at all unimportant, but they're just the features, you know? They're just the features and the accessories, the power locks and doors and, and the, and the moonroof and the backup camera they're things that make you comfortable and assist you on this journey 
out of darkness into his marvelous light. But we have to remember that's the journey we're on. Away from sin and toward faith and obedience in Christ. We need to be convinced that's the journey we're on. We're not on a journey of validation and self-actualization. We're not just looking for a Jesus who understands us and relates to us as victims of oppression in a fallen world. We want to understand Jesus and relate to him who is a righteous, self-sacrificing conqueror. That's who we want to be. Where do you get that in the Bible? Romans 8, 37. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We want to be more like him. And in order to do that, we need to know our need, don't we? There are two things every Christian needs to know. An awareness of your need and the riches of grace you have in Christ alone. You can't have the second without the first. I mean, why would you want them? That's what we're talking about this morning, isn't it? Wanting, what we want. Wanting, asking, receiving. Y'all, I want to want to be more like Jesus. And I want you, all of you, to want to want to be more like Jesus. And here's something you just got to know. I know I can't do it. I can't make you want it. You know? I have, to fa- I have to face this down every week. That I'm going to come stand right here, you know, in this little spot, with this little, little thing here. And I'm, I want God's word to get a hold of you and to change you. And I know good and well I am completely, utterly powerless to do it unless the Holy Spirit impresses it upon you. And you know, Lord willing, I'll live out the rest of my days, mountain pulpits and 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 preaching and knowing that I'm just utterly useless and it will be well with my soul because I know the Holy Spirit never misses his mark. But what I implore you to do is today, ask the Holy Spirit to set his sights on you. Ask him. He'll do it. You think he'll ignore you? It's going to take, there's some courage. It's going to take some courage. And he'll give you that too. But you need to ask him, all right, I'm ready. Maybe I haven't been paying attention as of late. I confess. But I know I don't need to clean up first in order to come to you. Jesus has done that for me. So I come boldly, like a child, and I ask, set your sights on me today. Ask him to reveal your needs so that you begin to want. And as you want, you begin to ask and you seek and you knock. Because then you will begin to realize the riches of grace and Christ Jesus that wait for you. You'll begin to understand what theologians of old used to call victorious Christian living. If you really want to know God and you want to be assured you are living the life that he has called you to live, and if you really want to experience the immeasurable blessings that he offers his children in this life, you have to know your need. You have to know 
your need of being persistent in asking him, which is what Jesus is saying here. We have to be persistent. Ask every day. And don't settle till you have it. It's not a prayer we pray once. We don't, we don't get all excited in, in, in an hour and a half on a Sunday morning and then walk away and forget what we heard and let that just be a thing in the past. James says a man, you know, that's like a man who, who looks at himself in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like. Asking begins the receiving process. Doesn't it? I know it sounds really elementary, but we've got to be reminded of it. You want to do some receiving? Asking begins the receiving process. Hunger precedes eating, doesn't it? Thirst precedes drinking, doesn't it? Hunger and thirst for righteousness and you will be satisfied. Remember Jesus said that in chapter 5? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Ask and receive, seek and find, knock and it will be opened. Just ask. James 4.2 says you do not have because you do not ask. Here's some things that we as Christians do ask. Why don't I feel the presence of God in my life? You ever ask yourself that question? Why don't I feel the presence of God in my life? Why am I not excited about reading the Bible? I know I'm supposed to be. Why am I not excited about reading the Bible? Why, why is it hard for me to understand or, or just not excited about it? Why am I not experiencing victory over besetting sins in my life? Why am I not good at witnessing to people? Why don't I feel like I have a calling or like God has a purpose for my life? You ask yourself those questions? Those are questions we ask ourselves, and here's the answer to all of them, because you do not ask. Are these questions you're asking yourself or asking God? You're not asking God persistently to move in your life in the ways he says he guarantees he's will, he, he will. These are good things. These good things that the Holy Spirit supplies the children of God and he never runs out and he never withholds them from anyone who asks. But back to our main point. We have to know that we need, what we need, want what we need, and ask for it. So we first have to know that we need and identify what we need. Not based on our worldly desires, like we talked about, but based on what Jesus has revealed we're lacking in the Sermon on the Mount. Things like integrity, righteousness, purity, trust, generosity, dependence, belief, humility, and wisdom. Then we have to come to want them, and when we finally do, we'll ask. And when we ask, he will give them to us. It's that simple. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? You know, we're carrying on this, we're carrying on this joke. I, I'm going to keep rolling it out as often as it comes to me. I, I didn't prepare it, but it's just, it's just, it's funny, and it's funny because it's true, right? Didn't we say a couple weeks ago, what color is this? Well, it's not that black and white, Josh. Can't just ask him to see those things. What color is this? 
God says so. When you desire the things that he wants for you to have and you ask for them, he will give them to you. When you want what you need, you'll ask, and if you ask, you'll receive. So we said in the beginning there's a joy we experience in receiving, isn't there? Candles, beaver nuggets, shoes, and so on. There's a joy we experience in receiving, things that just warm us and make us smile. But the joy is only present where there's a desire being satisfied, we said. The joy in receiving is only present where there's a desire being satisfied. Jesus makes it clear here that the Father stands ready to satisfy your desires to be more like Jesus. We just need to be convinced we need to be more like Jesus. We have to want to be more like Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. Like these things Jesus has said he is in the Sermon on the Mount. And here's the greatest part. We're not left in suspense. We don't have to wonder if he'll do it. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more so your heavenly father? Take an earthly father's willingness to bless his children with stuff he knows is, is good for them and then multiply that by, I don't know, infinity. That's what he's saying here. You can have that. And that receiving part is easy. That's the easy stuff. We just need to start wanting the good things he says he'll give us and start asking him till he does. Amen? Start today. Make those two lists. You know, make those two lists we talk about. Uh, Things that you want. You know, just, just things that you want. Like I asked the children. You know, don't, don't beat yourself up over wanting things. Those things, that's okay, right? Don't be ashamed to write them down. Don't censor yourself too much. And another list, though, okay, make another list of things you know Jesus wants you to want. And let's pray. Individually and as a church for those things. You with me on this? Make that list of the things you know Jesus wants you to have so bad that he died for you to have them. Let's make a list of those things and individually and as a church begin praying for those things. Let's tip the scales and press God hard knocking down his door for those things and see if he doesn't fling open the doors of heaven and pour them out on us richly for his glory and for our good. Father, God, we pray that you would make us want you more. Order our desires so that nothing brings us more joy or more satisfaction than knowing we are your children bought with the blood of Christ, and that your spirit is always with us. God, help our unbelief. Do it this morning. Help us to believe there is help for us because you have given us a helper. And Lord, cause us to call upon him for help daily. Not just help in our uncomfortable circumstances, but help in making us men and women of integrity who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
who desire purity in our own lives and seek out wisdom as for hidden treasure. Help us this day, Lord, to know our dependence on you and to trust you and to sincerely believe it will be worth our while to love and obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.